Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Two Bye Guys, to the final episode in this series on bisexual married men connected to my book, Bisexual Married Men, Stories of Relationships, Acceptance, and Authenticity. It's been an amazing season, a little different than usual. I hope you've enjoyed these real stories from the real guys from my book. Uh, I'm so grateful to all of them for opening up both for the book anonymously and now not anonymously on the podcast. We'll get to the final interview in a few minutes. It's with Renee. His name is Nelson in the book. His story is so interesting. I love chatting with him. And then after this season, technically, I still am in the middle of book season of interviewing other bi authors. I'm a stickler for 10 episode seasons, and I want to get back to that because I'm a little OCD about that. So uh, we have four more episodes left to round out that season. I already have most of those interviews scheduled with some awesome authors coming up. I'm excited for that. Some repeat guests who you've met before. But before we get to all of that, I wanted to take a few minutes today to tell you about what is coming up from me over the next couple of months. And basically, I am starting a coaching practice. I'm very excited to get started with this. Uh, I am just about finished with one of the most recognized life coach training programs in the country. It's called IPEC, stands for Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. It's wonderful. I loved it so far. I am already a member of the International Coaching Federation, and very, very shortly in February, I will be certified as a professional coach. I think this is important because life coaching is a growing industry. You've probably seen many people on social media talking about this, but the industry is extremely unregulated. You don't actually need a certification to be a coach. You can just kind of say you're a coach. And many of those people may be helpful to you depending on uh, what their experience is. But for me, going through this training was incredibly important because I learned about what coaching is and isn't and how to actually serve you guys and not just tell you what I think, but find the answers that are already inside of you which fits with my ethos of what queerness is because it's about you deciding the world you want to live in and how you want to move through it. And so while I do believe there's a natural fit here and I'm naturally inclined toward this, and I was kind of already doing a lot of coaching type things without fully realizing it, like this podcast, more on that in a minute, I have learned so much by going through this training and everything I've learned will help me to support you, my clients, so that you can achieve your goals and live your best, most authentic life, whatever that looks like to you. And so maybe you've listened to this podcast and you like a lot of it, but not everything about what I think is authentic to what you think. And that's what coaching is about, is about you. So before I get more into what coaching is and isn't, let me just talk about why I'm getting into this. And the main reason is I was kind of already doing it without realizing it. And I think that there's something in that of like, it is a natural thing for me to pursue. And I really enjoy it. You know, I started this podcast because I enjoy it and wanted to have these conversations. And I feel similarly about this. Like I was doing these kinds of things informally already. And now with the training and the formal stuff, like, I think it's I think I can be even better and serve you guys even more. So one of the things that coaches do to build an audience is they start a podcast. 
Uh, this is obviously not on my mind when I started this podcast five years ago. I basically just wanted to listen to something like this. It didn't exist. And so I created it. Um, I wanted to have these conversations. I wanted to share them because I really do think that bisexuality and gender fluidity are much, much more natural and common than our society leads us to believe. And the best way to change things, in my opinion, from, from where I stand, is to talk about it, to be visible, to share these stories. And so that's why I started this. But over the last five years, this lovely community has been built around this. And I've heard from so many of you, and I know you guys have connected with each other more and more as fluid sexuality becomes more accepted. And while the podcast, I hope, is a great resource of information and diverse experiences, it isn't necessarily tailored to you. And so I know that many of you are thriving. I love that. But I also know that many of you are still struggling with some of these issues. And that's what led you here in the first place. And I get a lot of DMs. A lot of you have told me your stories. And I know that even for those who have accepted and embraced your own queerness, there can still be struggles with partners, with family, with friends, at work, with society at large. And and of course, this podcast can't necessarily address all of that individualized stuff. It can't address each individual person. But coaching can. Coaching is about you. Uh, and more on that in a minute. So then I started working on this oral history project connected to the podcast, which has turned into this book. And as I went along, I started hearing from the participants that talking to me was actually helpful and they learned a lot. And I, I was shocked at first. I was like, why did, why was it helpful for you? You, they were helping me with this project that I was doing. I was collecting their stories. I didn't know what it was, but it, to me, I, they were helping me. And so I did not really think about how the process could be helping them. But then I got into this coach training program at IPEC and I realized why. Coaching is essentially about asking open-ended, empowering questions. It's about taking the time and space to reflect on our lives, to discuss your struggles honestly in a safe space where you can be completely open and non, it's non-judgmental. And it's about creating awareness of what is really going on in your life, especially things that are confusing or you feel stuck, it's very difficult to create that awareness by yourself. It's not impossible. It's just difficult because we don't often take the time to really go through with this stuff. But when you talk to someone else, when you say these things out loud, it becomes real. I think Austin said something like that in the last episode. It becomes real and it clarifies your feelings. When you hear yourself say it, it feels true and you can't exactly deny your feelings the way you can when it's all up here in your head. And it brings these deep-seated thoughts to the surface and forces you to reckon with them, which can be difficult but is a great thing. So I realized that to a certain extent, that's what I was doing with these oral history interviews. I was asking open-ended, empowering questions that created more awareness in my interview subjects. And they were able to use that awareness to understand and in many cases, improve their lives. Even though in those interviews, we didn't necessarily get to the other aspect of coaching, which is about creating action plans for the future, thinking through how you can make 
changes to what's going on. But still, we did that first part, which is the, the foundation, which is creating awareness. And that is the most powerful aspect of coaching. So looking back, I totally understand now why these men found the interviews helpful for them. I thank them for doing it, but I'm glad they got something out of it. And I, if you've been listening to this podcast, you may know I am a genuinely curious person. I really like to learn about people, what makes them tick. So I asked questions that made them think. And that curiosity combined with my understanding of queer issues, my compassion for those going through this stuff, partially because I have been through it myself and I know to some extent what it's like, that created a safe container to be vulnerable and authentic for these guys. And that can be hard to find in your daily life, that kind of container. It can be a lot to ask another person. Uh, But in coaching, that is exactly what we do. And I have found that I love to do it. I'm really fascinated by the, the clients I've had and the issues that come up and helping them work through it. I love seeing them make progress. I love learning about people and finding out what's blocking them and how they can move forward. And so if you are looking for a space like that, coaching could be worth considering. Uh, and so that's why I'm doing this. It it seemed like a natural fit. I was already doing a lot of it without realizing it. I, I sort of like to be curious and ask these kind of questions to my friends or family when they're going through stuff. But I'm still so glad I went through this training and that didn't just jump into coaching because I am so much more skilled now at actually helping clients for a few main reasons. I really had to learn what coaching is and isn't. So let's talk about that. I kind of mentioned it, but the biggest thing is that coaching is not about giving advice. Uh, That is what consulting is. And in a sense, that's what this podcast can do for people. I often have guests on with a lot of knowledge and experience, and we do give advice. I mean, we try to speak from our experience, but but it comes off as information and advice, and hopefully you take what works for you and you leave behind what doesn't and you get something out of the podcast. But that is not what happens in coaching. It will be very different from listening to the podcast because it's not about me or my guests. It's not about what I think. It is 100% about you. So I approach coaching from a completely non-judgmental place. If you're not in the same space that I was, if you are not don't have the same worldview I do, that does not matter at all. Your worldview is your worldview. And I respect that. And I come at it completely non-judgmentally. I will not try to analyze your story and tell you what I would do if I were you. If that's what you're looking for, that's not what coaching is. You can hire a consultant. But ultimately, if I did that and told you what I'd do if I were you, that will not lead to meaningful change in your life. Trust me, I've been coached that way. And it doesn't work. It has to come from within you to create meaningful, lasting change. So rather than give advice, together we will explore you, your thoughts, your beliefs, your feelings, your desires, your goals. And I will simply ask you a series of empowering questions to create that awareness about what's really going on for you and to unlock the best path forward for you. Coaching is completely individualized to the client. I will not push any agenda. I won't try to convince you to do anything the way I did it because the most lasting change comes from within. So every session, I will ask you what you want to work on. What is your goal in today's session? 
why is this goal important to you? Things like that. That's how we'll start every session. And so you will be driving what we talk about every time. Coaching is also about figuring out why you've been stuck. Maybe you're feeling stuck. Maybe you're feeling confused. You're not sure the path forward. You may already know your goals and have tried to get there, but you maybe you just can't do it and you can't figure out why. Um, often people make assumptions or interpretations about what's going on, or they have limiting beliefs that prevent them from seeing other possibilities. And I will simply help you explore those things. We'll talk through what it would be like or feel like to accomplish those goals, why they're important to you, which can help unlock new pathways. And though coaching is not therapy, and, and there's some crossover, but in for many things, I recommend a therapist. I've always talked about the importance of therapy. These are adjacent fields, but they're not the same. And so even though coaching is not therapy, we will talk through some of your fears, which may be totally valid to protect yourself, but can also be rooted in past experiences that may not happen again. And we'll examine how those fears might be holding you back. So no matter where you want to be, I think that I can help you move forward and make change in your life. But because this is so individualized, there's only so much I can say without talking to you. Uh, really depends on each person, what you'll get out of it and if coaching is right for you. So with that in mind, I would love to talk to you. Uh, I've just finished, literally just finished my classroom learning at IPEC. I've had a ton of practice hours coaching already. My final exam is in February. But I am ready to talk to you. I'm ready to open this practice and tell you more about what I do and to hear your story and tell you how I might help you. So I'd love to do an intro call with you, a 25-minute free intro call, if you are potentially interested in being coached by me. Uh, as it happens, I need to conduct 10 of these interviews to pass my course. So you will be helping me out as well. I appreciate that. So on my website, robertbrookscohen.com, you will find a tab for coaching. I think it's robertbrookscohen.com slash coaching, but you can find it there. And there you will find a sign-up box. I believe it will be an email sign-up. And then I will send you a link to schedule the call as I have space for calls. So if you don't get the email right away, just be patient. Um, and I will, I will be in touch with everyone who signs up in the email box. But obviously, I can't do an unlimited number of these calls right away. I can't coach an unlimited number of clients. I'm going to start relatively small, and I don't really know how much interest this will be. So if you are listening to this when it comes out and you're interested, head over to robertbrookscohen.com to sign up right away. So there is no obligation to sign up for coaching after this intro call. The call is designed to help you figure out if it's right for you. However, I would ask to please only sign up for the call if you are at least open to being coached by me. If you know you don't want to be coached right now, that's fine. You can always sign up later. If you can't afford it right now, I know it's not cheap. Uh, I understand. And there will be more group coaching opportunities later. And maybe you'll be ready for individual coaching later. But at the moment, I would like to do these intro calls with people who are at least potentially ready to be coached. You don't have to be 100% sure but at least open to the possibility. I will also mention that my pricing will not be going down. It could go up in the future. So get in now if you're interested. And I, and I understand the price point may not be available for everyone. But as someone who has been coached myself now and who's been in therapy for many years, which is not the same but related, 
I just know that the value is there. This really can be transformational in your life if you're ready to dig in and if there are changes you've been wanting to make. And so I know that it will be valuable for you if you choose to do it and if the need is there. But stay tuned for some workshops I may offer and group coaching and other kinds of classes that I will offer in the future, which will be more affordable. So whatever you are struggling with, consider signing up for an intro call because I can coach about anything. Maybe it's something related to this podcast. Maybe it's not. And that's okay. Whatever you're struggling with, I can help. So if you are just starting to understand your sexual fluidity and want help figuring it out, this is for you. Maybe you've known about your sexuality for a while, but you haven't been able to come out and you want to work through that. Maybe you are married and you want to work on how this is affecting your relationship or how you're showing up with a partner, or maybe you haven't come out to the partner and you want to navigate how to do that and work yourself up. Maybe you're thinking about non-monogamy and you're not sure how to approach that either solo or with a partner. Uh, Maybe you're afraid to even mention it to the partner. Maybe you are beginning to explore your gender, or maybe you're struggling with something outside of this realm entirely, which I can help with. Uh, Obviously, sexual and gender fluidity and relationship styles are my specialty, my niche, because that's the world I have been in for many years. But I can coach you on anything. In my coach training and practice coaching, I've been tackling a wide variety of issues and the empowering, curious questions, they work the same way. So if you're struggling in your job, if you're figuring out your life purpose, if you want to eat healthier or exercise more or work on body image issues, If you want to boost your creativity or be more productive or go to sleep earlier or change your living environment or you're having difficulty as a parent or dealing with other family members, if you're questioning your religion or spirituality, and I could go on and on and on and name a bunch of things, but whatever it is you want to work on, I can help. So that's all for me about this for now. I am really excited to begin this coaching practice If you are interested, head over to robertbrookscohen.com, click the coaching tab, sign up for the email list, and then a free intro call. And I will keep you posted on this on the podcast throughout as my coaching practice develops. So if now is not the right time, stay tuned, and I will be ready for you when you are ready. And now... The final interview in this series on bi-married men. He is the eighth of the 13 interview subjects in the book, so we got a majority of them on here. I was really happy to talk to Renee again. We had a really interesting chat, and there is more on Patreon. There's some fun stuff in there. I highly recommend it. But without further ado, here is my interview with Renee. Enjoy. Everybody, welcome back. I am here with the final interview in this series on bisexual married men re-interviewing men from my book. And I'm very excited to see and get to chat with Renee, aka Nelson in the book, one of my early, early interviews. He is back uh, now years later. Uh, welcome to Two Bye Guys, Renee. Thank you, thank you. Glad to be back. Yeah. So you you've actually been on Two Bye Guys before, is that right? I think Correct. Some some yeah. years ago, yes. Yeah. So this is our third or fourth or something interview overall. Uh, welcome back to the show. Um, thank you so much for being part 
of this book. I know a lot of people are getting lots of stuff out of your story. Um, and so you were one of the first people I interviewed actually way back in that summer of 2020. Uh, it feels like forever ago and it also feels like yesterday. Um, so the first thing I want to ask you is just like thinking back, what was it like for you at the time to be interviewed about all this stuff? Like what did it do for you, if anything? I guess it made me rethink a lot of my, um, growing up, being married, mm-hmm. then, uh, going through the separation, divorce, maybe realize a lot of things about myself, not just my sexuality, but um, the growing up I had to do, the uh, rethinking a lot about life, especially being single. Um, mm. I was like, yeah, I was technically never single from high school, after high school to, I would say maybe 42, 43. You know, I was in a long-term relationship um I had a little bit of time here as a single person that started dating then not dating the dating and not dating so a lot of mental growth even still to this day it's a lot of growth a lot of understanding how relationships work from what i was mm-hmm. used to um yeah so it's, it's been i would say eh, not a roller coaster but yeah ups and downs yeah I, I get that. I hear you. And I'm glad you've been on that journey of growth. It makes yes. sense. You know, when, when we examine this stuff, then you learn, you know, you have more awareness of yourself and then you reflect and grow. I mostly today want to talk about you and like where you are today. But for those who either, maybe for those who haven't read the book yet, can you tell us sort of the brief story of your marriage? Because the book is about by men married to women. I know you're not married anymore, but can you tell us sort of the brief version and how your bisexuality played a role in that relationship? Yeah, um, I was married for, I want to say about 13 years, possibly 14. I, I don't recall <laughs> the exact uh, time frame, but we were dating right out of high school. So we were pretty much um, together for, I want to say almost 20 years. Um, lived the straight life um to everybody else outside of my wife outside of my close friends i was straight um i i didn't experiment any, if anything after high school with a guy um internet came along i started exploring a little bit more just visuals from reading stories to pornography uh really never um meeting with the guy all my fantasies were again on the computer or if i had a dream um those that's how i live my by my, my, i guess by curiosity through dreams through books through porn uh it wasn't until some years i guess closer to the once the marriage started going down that i ex- met a guy experimented um but at, at the end like or even at I said, during my relationship, I knew that I was curious to to know what it was like to be with a man. Did it affect my marriage? Um, I want to say there was yeah, there were nights that after a while I was not wanting to be sexually with my my back then wife. Um, having kids, marriage became stale, became a routine. 
I think that added as well to my curiosity more and more being with the men, especially again with the internet, the chats, the uh, availability through apps, but again, not taking that step to be with the man until I actually met with somebody and yeah, we, we became close and I did have an affair with the man. And what happened after that? Uh, separation. <laughs> then uh, I met my current boyfriend um, back in 2019, my first real same-sex relationship, same-sex relationship. Um, having to grow, having to understand the, uh, a different type of relationship, not because we were the same sex, but a new person. I was used to same routine, same um, process, same day to day with my ex versus dating somebody else. Um, also, understanding the gay community, where you know we read what's online. I, I would say I did a lot of my research at a very young age, right after high school. With the uh, with internet, I I. Did my own research from the cruising to um, the STDs to sexual practices and stuff, but it wasn't to actually um, put it to use <laughs> where everything came along. Um, you know, I it it was like like I tell people, the gay community is big, uh, but yet we're still very um, divided. You know, which to me is a sad part where. You know, even for myself, it, it, it when I, I look for a partner uh, or even just a random person, it's, you know, you have your expectations of what you want that person to look like. You know, we talk about division in our own community, the gay community, but yet we do it ourselves. You know, so that's a lot of lot of that I've had to learn as well. Um, another thing, learning that I'm older and it's harder to make friends as well. Um, recently, um going to uh, the same club uh, my partner that my partner works at uh we've met another couple where you know you when you're used to meeting guys at the club it's usually they want to have sex with you and there's actually some people that want to have a friendship with you you know which is something different something that i guess for me is kind of weird as well because the only way that i meet guys is through the app and the only reason why we meet on the app or majority of the app is to have sex uh so of course it's it's the shifting a lot um again understanding where as, as i've mentioned to you is how do i define my sexuality nowadays you know it's it's you're told well you're gay you're gay you're gay and bisexuality doesn't it doesn't exist and it's always this tug you know even within myself like when we check the boxes off with the actual orientation there's usually just straight a gay um, bisexual or a lesbian or now is uh not they're not sure sometimes um, I guess that's where I, I stand at now where I prefer don't lay, just don't label me, but I'm mm -hmm. shifting kind of towards that, that queer side again, where yes, I'm bisexual. Yes. I have sex with men. I enjoy it, but how do I define myself? It, it, it's a little bit different. Mm, interesting. Interesting. I want to come back to that in a minute about the identity stuff, but, uh, but I also want to hear about your relationship. So is this, you've been with this partner now, is that the same partner you're still with the one you mentioned? Yes. Yes. So <laughs> we've been, you know, just like any relationship, understand each other, a lot of work, uh, as him and I know it's a lot of work. Uh, but we made the decision to move in together. I, I do have kids, which the kids are aware we're going to move in together. Um, it's been a great relationship. 
um, like, like like any other relationship. I think what I really enjoy the most is uh, the guy to guy interaction, the guy to guy from going to the gym to the workouts to um hanging out we do a lot of outdoor stuff when the weather's nice of course being in chicago um i really enjoy that that's something that even in high school or just through life i lack the male male interaction um mm. so being with the same sex partner that's the one thing like we can rustle you know at the same time we're we're cooking we're cleaning um it feels it it's it, it feels nice, but yes, we've had we've had ourselves to do some growing. I know I've had to do some growing. I'm still growing a lot, learning, uh, understanding how a uh, relationship works, understanding how a relationship works with somebody different or somebody else, aside mm-hmm. from my long term relationship, how that works. Right. What is different about that with with the new person? Uh, we're just different people. <laughs> Like, like, I, uh-huh. like I told them and I told other people, it's with my long-term relation with my ex-wife, we were right out of high school. So we molded ourselves to each other, molded our lifestyles around each other. So we, I guess, complimented a lot each other. We, um, from the music to the foods, just the real access to the family thing. It's just, it, we already knew what to do next. You know, my new partner is, we're both different people. Um, a little bit younger than I am, it, that doesn't really affect me because mu- we music from food to the hangout, we, we're very similar, but at the same time, we're very different. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. And and I know you've, before we got on, the, on this, you mentioned therapy and stuff like that. What do you think is different about you and how you're showing up for this relationship versus the other one? Um, be more vocal. That was my main thing. Be more vocal, la- less passive aggressive. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I've learned to be vocal with what I want. Uh, I'm still a work in progress a, a lot of, a very often, where I just tend to stay quiet and not say, hey, this is what I want, this is what I need, or I get stuck in my head a lot. And it, mm-hmm. it's, it's not good. It's not good. Well, that's a lot that I've I've had to learn with therapy and talking, being vocal about my wants and needs. Right, that makes a lot of sense. It's it's not easy to talk about that kind of stuff authentically, and we're yes. scared a lot of <laughs> of what we want and what we need. But uh, if you don't say it, then the other person doesn't know, and they have to guess. Correct. Uh, yeah. Um, and what's your relationship like these days with your kids? It's getting better. It's uh, little by little another work. My daughter's 17. My little one's eight. Um, it's been work, especially be, living with my parents, where my parents tend to, I don't say pull them, but being living with your parents, you know, yes, I'm an adult, but yes, they treat me as a child. So, um, and my, my kids are, two teenagers so they're tend to be they don't want to hang out with the father they want to do their own thing my daughter has a boyfriend my little one's oh i'm sorry my middle one's gonna become an eighth grader it's gonna be an eighth grade very soon so he's starting to be himself as individual too uh so it's getting better um they've known my partner since um 
say well, it'll be five years or maybe about four, especially the two other ones. They um, knew them a little bit later than my little one, but um, they're, they they know they know we're dating. Um, I back I back them how they feel. They're comfortable with that. Um, we're not very. If you see us hang out, we're like two fronts. We're not all over each other. Uh, there's not much PDA, especially around the kids. My little one has seen it a lot more than my two older ones, but I think it's just us them getting used to us as well. Hmm. Cool. But no, there's no no questions at all from my kids about my sexuality. Uh, and I've asked them some years ago if they were ever ashamed of my, my sexuality. They, they both said a no, um, which felt good. Which, felt, which feels good, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad you uh, are, were out to them and they're accepting. That's yes. beautiful. Okay, let's go back to what you talked about, about identity and the label you use. And like uh, you said, you're kind of moving a little bit away from the term bisexual or even any of those terms, gay, straight, anything, and gravitating more toward you're just you with no label or maybe queer. Um, What does that mean to you to move toward that? I guess with all the divisions now, with the sexualities now, there's it seems like every year there's more and more. Um, what's the word? We're breaking little things more into more subcategories. There we go, sub subcategories. Yeah. Uh, I don't identify with a lot of them. I just feel that um, again, if someone asks me, well, I still identify as being a bisexual man. Um, but again, that term for me, it's. I don't know what the right word is. I just, my thing is, because like, even when I came out to people, my, my thing is, I'm just me. I'm just me. Don't, why, why, oh, this is Renee. This is a bisexual guy. Uh, even at work or even at functions where, oh, well, he's gay. He's gay. I'm like, ah, no, I'm not gay. I, I guess I still would, if you're, if I was interested in you female-wise, I would want to sleep with you, you know, or, or have a relationship with you, or yes, I am physically attracted to you because you're a woman, you know, but it, again, it's always either you're straight or you're gay to the community out there, mainly the straight community, the gay community, oh, you know, we're gay, we're gay, we're gay, I think it's like, well, no, we're not gay, so I guess a lot of that, too, and again, it's just how I feel, I guess, if I had to put a check mark, it's bisexual, even though I may see it someplace here and there that are the queer, but I don't technically would say I'm, I'm queer either. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just environment as well, where my partner or I have found other uh, venues, other clubs where it's not technically a gay club; it's a bar, and you're comfortable with majority are straight, but yeah, you are there. You do see um, some. Um, Okay, so a little bit of lesbians uh, in those clubs, and you're comfortable. They everybody makes you feel comfortable. Uh, I know we went a couple uh, months ago to see Janelle Monae, who um, I think she considers herself uh, pansexual, or back then, um, and it was just the fluidity of the people that were there, um, that just how they dress. They don't dress as your norm or your typical person. They're just 
comfortable in whatever they wear. So to me, it's like, okay, yes, I might dress my polo or T-shirt, but it's being comfortable in a different environment where it's not labeled as an LGBT-friendly environment, but yet you know it is. Like, yes, that's what has gravitated me to the, the queer side. Mm-hmm. You see all realms of different, from attires to people from different areas of the communities. Yeah, I, I, that answer makes total sense to me. And I love that those kind of spaces also where like, it does sometimes feel like any label is going to box people in. And yes. to me, like bisexual should be this expansive thing and queer is more, even more like an expansive, anything goes diverse thing. But in in the perfect world, it doesn't need a label because anything is possible. Um, yes. And so I agree. I love spaces like that, whatever they're called. Um I'm curious though, because so I'm. It's awesome you found those spaces. A Janelle Monae concert sounds like the perfect sort of pansexual, fluid, queer space. But you also mentioned the gay community a lot. Do you feel yourself now with a male partner, sort of more in the gay community sometimes, and or do you have to actively search for these more quote queer spaces, or what's what's that like? We've been, honestly, we've been searching a little bit more of a queer area. Uh, a little bit, I would say, uh, the fetish style as well. Uh, from leather to um, just the, the the kinky stuff where we're trying to explore. Again, it is limited. Even in a big city like Chicago, we have a few clubs. But um, I think as well as how the, the, the crowd, the crowd of next we have, I want to say Chicago, we have, Let's see, one, two, about four to five big nightclubs uh, in general, and they all have their own type of, from the music to the type of people that go there. And we may fit here, we may not fit there, or even I guess maybe that we're getting older and we're kind of tired of the same type of music. Um, I know, like, for me, when I was asking my partner the other night, it's, I know in Chicago we have, as far as I know, one Latino-based uh, gay club. Uh, I've never been in it. The one time I went, it was like a $20, $30 cover charge, and I thought there was alcohol included. Like, no, so I, I didn't go. Uh, but I, I don't... Technically, the majority of Latino clubs are going to play a particular type of music, which I'm not too fond of it. So my thing is, like, where, where can I find an, uh, a club where they'll play all variety of music, mainly, um, even if it's just all Spanish music, I want a variety, not just a particular style. Same thing with English. I'm not up to date with the top 40 uh hits so i don't know the music um uh, i'm an i'm an okay dancer uh but again it's just where i feel i fit in um again there's clubs where our gear tours let's just say example there's clubs that are just gear tours jocks or just bears or just um it's almost, again just the all other community so i don't fit into all of them uh, so to me, it's fine. And we found some places where they play um, new wave music or it's 90s night. Um, there is a particular club in Chicago, which is not in the gay community. And it's it's I, that's one of the places where I would say it's queer friend. It's, it's yeah, it's queer friendly or a lot of queers go there. Sounds bad to say that, but a lot of <laughs> queer people do go there because you see from your straight people, you do see a little bit of uh, um 
you'll see a couple of straight same-sex uh, uh, partners, uh, and everybody's just comfortable, everybody's accepting, everybody's respectful. Love it. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, I, I, it, I look for those kind of spaces too, where I feel more comfortable and I, and I found them, but it's not always easy. Um, sometimes they, they end up being sort of one thing or another and, uh, not as expansive as, you know, what I really enjoy. Or even just sometimes your body, if you're not fit, it, it's you know it's not for you or you and i mean usually the bears they're a variety but again it's just how you can i've walked into a couple clubs and i'm like yeah this is not for me let me walk out i know one time i was in for is it not fort lauderdale no further north if somewhere in florida i walked in and they were paying pink floyd and rolling stones and there were a lot of older a lot of older men and i'm like yeah, this is music my parents hear. These these are not the type of men I like. I, I want to hang around with. So I walked out. I walked in. We walked out. There's been clubs that we walked in, and it's just either the type of music or the people that are there. You don't feel comfortable, or you don't feel it's. That's not the night for you. And we walked in and walked out. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. Good for you, knowing what uh, works for you and what doesn't, yeah. rather than just like trying to make it work. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything you're still struggling with these days related to your sexuality or masculinity? Um, hmm, that's a very good question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I would say sometimes maybe just fitting in, finding the right, um, yeah, yeah, I would say fitting in or finding friends. Find new friends that have the similar uh, similar interests in you. Again, majority of times that I've met uh, guys just hang out. It's just sex, you know. And I've I've had I call them unofficial dates where I'm hey I'm trying to make a friend. All right, we go out to eat and you know they're expecting something more. I'm like yeah, no. I just I just wanted to hang out. Just wanted to have dinner, a drink, and that's it. Um, it's yeah i think the finding the friendship friendship mm-hmm. it's the yeah. hardest thing um because my partner and i were both very honestly we were not athletic but we we're active um from the gym to the hiking um a lot of the people that we met they work overnights um so it's hard for them in the mornings they're tired um and, but we're getting there so we met a, we met a couple um that are again they, they they just want to hang out they want to hang out they want to play cards they invited us to dinner and to me i'm like oh wow like they don't want to have sex that it's just kind of odd but I, I'm, I'm cool this is this is what our this is what we both been wanting somebody to hang out with us like even in the summertime we've tried to do the uh meet with friends and we we did a couple of times but it's it's always it's hard because uh, people work schedules and stuff like that or their interests their lack of interest oh well, i don't like this i don't like that and and it's, it's common, I guess, as, as as well. If I had, if with my straight friends, they're always busy. Um, but yeah, I would say. And then finding events, um, finding events uh, mainly for Latinos or just uh, 
people of color, especially like in the leather community, I've, I've tried to get in contact with a couple of people and they start and then they finish or they don't continue the conversation. I've actually reached out to somebody in D.C. How did they get into the leather community? He's like, well, I just kind of did it on my own. I just did it on my own. He's exploring. Um, with the COVID, I think that changed a lot because I know before COVID, there were a lot of uh, um, like 101 leather, 101 uh, bondage and stuff like that i have not found any of that so to explore fetish wise um you find other things that are very common very a lot of one-on-ones out there but i'm like what about the other type of fetishes um i would say that's pretty much the only maybe i don't see a struggle but it's hard to find stuff that yeah caters to stuff that i want to stuff newer stuff that i would love to explore yeah that makes sense. I even though that stuff is out there, it is kind of hard to connect with the right thing for you yes. sometimes, and the right people to go with or to explore it with. Um, it also makes sense what you said about friendships, and I, I think that you know that in the LGBT community, a lot of these lines get blurred of you know sex and friendships and romance and emotional connections, and in many ways that can be great, but it also creates this thing of like, well, what where are we? What is this? For? Like, maybe sometimes you don't want it to move from one to the other. And so it can be a little bit uh, difficult to navigate sometimes, depending on what you are looking for. Yeah. Um, yeah. How does your partner identify? Can I, if, if you're comfortable answering for him uh, in terms of well. sexual? Yeah. Cool. Bisexual as well. Yeah. Cool. And how, what has that been like to be with a fellow bisexual? <laughs> I, I recently uh, re- recently read on Twitter that bisexual. I I think you yes you and I've discussed about this before that bisexual men actually we we have great sex and uh, I think that's the <laughs> I say that's a plus but no um, again I, we don't um, you know you always hear well who's the man in a relationship who does this and to us it's we don't just because oh you're a little bit more masculine than this and or you're a little bit no I don't I don't think for either of us it's never um who's the man who's who's the top who's the bottom uh, who's doing the cooking who's doing the clean I think we all share the roles equally uh I think just just as any straight relationship for example like my parents uh, of course a straight couple cis couple um uh, my mom. My mom knows how to paint. My mom knows how to repair things. Um, and and a home. My whenever it was the summertime, my mom, with my mom, we always painted. We always changed um some fixtures here and there. So even with them, it was never oh well. You're the woman. You you cook and clean. Yes, she does that, but she also does some of the typical man job. And my dad's yeah, my dad's the man. My dad, you know, he would do the cars and he was um the 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 man of the house paying the the mortgage and all that but even like so my partner and i we don't say well okay well you're a little bit more masculine you got to do this more than i do know it's i think we we don't we don't um yeah we don't have roles like that i think for us i mean we're both mac i will say masculine in our own ways you know i Mm -hmm. i usually paint my nails um, I don't think he does that much of anything like that, but I, I, you know, I, I paint, I paint my nails. I wear pink. Um, that's about it. I would say that, <laughs> but other than that, I think we're just two typical guys. I mean, 
if you saw us in the street, uh, you would just say, hey, there's two typical guys. That's it. Love it. I love it. And I did an episode last season about uh, dividing, you know, stuff in the home. And it is true, according to this book, uh, that that bisexual people are more likely to divide things evenly and to not, you know, be set in certain scripts of, you know, this, the man does this, the woman does this. But but when when you look at gender differently, you you actually just talk through things and start to divide things more evenly. Um and yeah, bi people are better at sex. That's the bisexual advantage. <laughs> um, how do you guys approach monogamy or non-monogamy if you're open to sharing? Yeah, I mean, we have an open relationship. Um, I know my end, I, I struggle a little bit more. <laughs> um, I think as much, yeah, we were sexually active. We are... are um, Libido is high. Um, we've we have some friends that you know come over here and you know the threesome and they're good. But um, could we be in a monogam a monogamous relationship between him and I? Uh, maybe temporary. Maybe I, I know we I know we've tried it in the past. Um, I know there's times that hey it's been two weeks three weeks. Um, I told them I'm going to get to the point where I feel comfortable where we actually share stories or share current stories. I mean, hey, you know, last week I was with this person. And we do talk about um, past experience. I don't know how recent they are uh, when we do talk about them. Uh, but, again, that's something that I'm getting comfortable with uh, or trying to get comfortable with. Um, but, again, it, you know, lately we've been talking about trying to find a woman to, to share with or have her experienced two bisexual guys, uh, which I feel a lot of women should, you know, because <laughs> I think they're missing out on that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's, it's finding a woman that's okay with it. Cool. Any women out there, if you're listening, you can DM Renee. <laughs> You'll be very lucky if you if you do. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've tried a couple of times and it was no because of the reason, not because she wasn't interested. It's just it, it was not at the right time, not the right place, pretty much. But right. I mean, well, you're you're missing out on something very good. But <laughs> I know, I know. I love uh, women who love bi guys because they uh, they know what they're talking about. They know they know what's out there. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode with Renee. There are a few more minutes coming up right here, but there is a lot more on Patreon. I'm not exactly sure how many because I haven't edited it yet, but it's at least 15 minutes. I think it actually might be closer to 20 minutes or more. Uh, we talked about OnlyFans and alt Twitter, and we opened up about that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, you should listen to that if you're interested. I think it was it was fun. There's also full video of this entire interview and this entire series on Patreon, plus that bonus content. So head over to patreon.com slash Robert Brooks Cohen. It's only $5 for all that content, and you get early access to everything in the future too. And now here are a few more minutes with Renee. Thanks for listening. What are you looking forward to in the future in 
any area of your life. Well, right now, our plan, we don't have a set date, but we're, again, we're supposed to be moving in together, the kids as well, um, I think within the next month or two. So that would be the thing. Um, cool. Moving, uh, moving in. Possibly marriage, hopefully marriage. I don't know. <laughs> um, just growing, growing and learning. That's my thing. Growing and learning, and keep moving forward. You know, we're not. Oh, excuse me, we're not getting any younger. Unfortunately. Awesome. Well, yeah, no, we're not. That's unfortunate, yeah. but that's awesome that you're moving forward and thinking that way. Um, Okay, last question. It's been my final question for everyone. How does your sexuality, your fluidity, your queerness bring you joy? Wow. I can be myself. 100%. I can explore. Like I said, nail polish, if I, if I do that. Um, wow, that's actually, yeah, I mean, I would say maybe exploring different realms from the straight world to the gay world to um, finding people from different areas. I mean, maybe, maybe it's not much of a difference, but just being more comfortable with myself, being able to be myself without having to hide this or having to hide that. Um, I think that's the main thing where if I was in a straight if I was still living a straight life, I would have to hide my sexuality, have to hide painting my nail polish. Um, every now and then I do an eyeliner. Um, you know, if you see that, if, if a straight man is, is seen like that, they're, you know, it's either you're a rock star or you're questioned, you know, but I think it's just being myself and comfortable with myself. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And it's like, it opens up these possibilities, right? That didn't, maybe didn't yes. used to be there. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Renee. It was really thank nice you. to see you again. I enjoyed, I enjoyed our chat as always. And, um, and uh, this, this may be our final interview for a while. So I just want to thank you again for being part of this project for that now spans almost four years uh, and for being part of this book that um, I think people are really going to learn a lot from your story. Congratulations again on the book. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Couldn't, couldn't have done it without you and everyone else who participated. Thank, thank you all so much to those who were vulnerable and shared their stories. And I think Renee, you and the others are, it's, I mean, it's really an inspiration to what it can be like to, be vulnerable and share this stuff and and as you say over and over to really just be yourself yep what it is yeah all right thanks renee and take care thank you have a great one two by guys is produced and edited by me robert brooks cohen and it was created by me and alex boyd our logo art is by caitlin weinman our music is by ross mincer we are supported by the gotham and we are part of the zencaster creator network visit patreon.com slash robert brooks cohen for bonus content early access and exclusive video episodes thanks for listening to two by guys